0: And you're thinking, okay, so it was a joke.
1: It was a joke. It's not. It's well, you say it's you say it's a joke. It's not a funny joke. No, is it's it? not a funny joke. It's just
2: <laughs> but Graham, it's 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 a pun, you know? I thought every Englishman <laughs> loved a pun.
1: Maybe in Germany it's funny, but
2: <laughs> I'm I'm half German. They're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> right, they're not funny.
1: Smashing Security, Episode 222. Facebook. Deepfakes and April Fool's Scandals with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smash Security episode 222. My name is Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. And this week, row we're joined by a special guest, someone who hasn't been on the show before. It is Nina Schick. Very
2: exciting. Great to be here, guys.
1: <laughs> I'm thrilled that you're here because I heard
0: you on Sam Harris's podcast. And I don't listen to a lot of Sam Harris, but occasionally I go through just to see if anyone's talking about technology or misinformation. Mm. And there you were. So
1: really excited that you're here.
2: Well, I'm really excited to be here with you guys. Thanks for having me.
1: So, Nina, you are the deep fake expert, aren't you? You're the one who knows all about that and disinformation
2: that's right i'm the deep fake person um i got into it quite a few years ago and uh, it seems to be getting quite popular
1: so it seems to be an- <laughs> how can we how can we tell we've got the real nina schick on the line right now rather than a deepfake oh my god
2: person. graham you did it you went there that's what <laughs> it
0: everybody asked me
1: <laughs> oh really it's not it's not a re- original oh dear <laughs>
0: No, uh, you'd be surprised
2: how often I get asked oh, that. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's a good question. I like it. Um, yeah, I'm real still, although you know, yeah, right? By, by
0: that's where, of course, you that's say that. the point. Right? <laughs> exactly. 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 Nina,
2: you've written a book. Yeah. So my book is obviously on deep fakes. It's called Deep Fakes and the Apocalypse, and it's all about. Um, The corroding information ecosystem and how basically AI generated visual or synthetic media is the next kind of step in the corroding information ecosystem. But of course, when it comes to the future of deepfakes and synthetic media... It is going to be so much bigger than that. It's actually a profound, I think, paradigm shift in the future of not only content creation, but human communication. And just as it will be weaponized by bad actors for disinformation or misinformation, um, like all powerful technologies of the exponential age, it's going to actually be transformative for entire industries and not only be used maliciously. So, yeah, guys,
0: I told you she was smart. (laughs) told you she was smart <laughs> we're going to talk a lot more about this in your section i cannot wait first let's just thank this week's sponsors one password and duo security their support help us give you this show for free now coming up on today's
1: show graham what do you got i'm going to be telling everyone mark zuckerberg's phone number
0: Ooh, okay. And Nina, what about you? Well, oh, I think we know. Ooh, <laughs> could it be teeth and Is it actually me? I think we'll get into that and, and more. <laughs> okay, and I'm going to be revisiting April Fool's and see who pulled it off this year and who did not. All this and much more coming up on this episode
1: of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums, I don't know if you've heard, it's a Big story right now in the technology press: our good friends at Facebook. Oh, how we love them! They've had, <laughs> they've just, had a I little. not like that you use
0: "good friends" indiscriminately.
1: What? I mean, <laughs>
0: you know, everyone from Piers Morgan to Mark Zuckerberg gets that label. It's just, you know.
1: All right. Anyway, carry enough. on. Fair enough. Yes. So, Facebook—they appear to have leaked half a billion. Hmm. facebook account details onto the internet that's what's leaked out onto the internet and is now available for anyone to download and to access and to scroll through for free unbelievable that's got to be like
0: 20 percent right that's 20 percent of their users because they have something like seven or eight billion or something
1: i don't know how many people are there on earth <laughs> <laughs> they've probably got more users than the population of planet earth at oh, the I moment bet they
0: do because people have more than one account of sure course we do yes yeah
1: how else are you supposed to stalk people online you don't use your own account um <laughs> yeah they've whoa they, well you know so facebook has had a serious data breach which is getting it bad press at right the moment and facebook doesn't appear to me to have actually notified the affected users which I think is a little bit naughty. The information which is out there right now mm-hmm. is people's full names, email mm-hmm. addresses, sex, location, marital status, phone number, occupation, and something called their account ID number.
0: I think God relationship status
1: isn't mentioned. Well... <laughs> It's complicated, is it, (laughs) Carl? Yeah. (laughs) Now, the details of 533 million users from 106 different countries were scooped up off Facebook. It appears back in 2019 via a vulnerability in their ad friends feature. So they had a bug in their software which hackers Hmm. were able to exploit in order to access information which they shouldn't have been able to scrape quite so easily. Now, this data surfaced, bubbled up on a hacking website in the middle of last year.
0: Like like summertime type thing for...
1: Summer for the Northern Hemisphere, yes. Middle of last year, yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. What, what does the weather matter, Carol? as to when no, the I'm data service. I'm just trying
0: to... I'm trying to... I'm getting into the story. I'm trying to, you know... You're like, making you know, it more poetic. You, context. Yes, yes. I, you know when I'd ask you if you went out one night, I'd be like, what are you wearing?
1: You know, That's like, true. just let,
0: get, get me into the scene.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. Okay, okay. So I imagine Mark Zuckerberg was wearing a hoodie...
0: great t-shirt yeah yeah i see him i'm there i'm there okay you had
1: a designer dog with him and the data (laughs) bubbled up on some hacking website and the hacker was asking around about thirty thousand dollars for this information if you wanted to grab it what seriously (laughs) is that all well, that, that was what it was at the time. That At the time, of course, it wasn't in much circulation. Now, if you think, is that all?
0: I was thinking I could scrape it together, you know, that would help our show. For Graham. the entire database?
1: <laughs> For the entire database of half a billion Facebook accounts, yes. Wait,
2: and this would be like a unique transfer to the one person that paid
0: $30,000 or $30,000 wow. per access.
1: Yeah, oh, I love the your way you're right. thinking.
0: It's like a screen print,
1: yeah. The interesting thing is the price subsequently lowered to less than $10 so i think
0: what for all of it
1: <laughs> so i think this is the way wow. that breaches often go they get hold of some valuable data I meant, this didn't include passwords by the way we need to stress it didn't include passwords so there was sensitive information in there which you probably didn't want fallen into the wrong hands but it didn't include passwords which would have bumped up the price but once some people have got access to some of it Of course, they could sell it on to others at cheaper and cheaper rates. And eventually, the first person (laughs) thinks, maybe I'll get $10 for this. Like, last
0: chicken at Sainsbury's, last (laughs) chicken at Sainsbury's.
1: (laughs) Now, back in January of this year, somebody created a bot on Telegram, like a little automated routine which you could send queries to and allowed anyone to query Facebook's database, the leaked database, for a small fee just for a couple of credits. So you All could right. send it a Facebook ID. That's the the string of numbers associated with your profile. So even if you've got a Facebook username, which you probably do have, yeah. there's also a unique numeric identifier for you. And it's actually not that hard to find out someone's Facebook ID if you want to. You could, there, there are websites even which can do that if you can't work it out. Oh,
0: thanks for the tip.
1: <laughs> oh, links <laughs> in the show notes. And the bot... <laughs> would spit back the associated phone number of that person. So if you were chatting to someone online but you weren't able to get in touch with them any other way, you could have used that facility to get their phone number. Oh, fun. <laughs> Which potentially is problematical, isn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> potentially. <laughs> and- <laughs> Problematic, surely, no?
1: Yes. Okay. And now, oh, what, what, what did I say?
0: problematical i don't Um, know i felt like i was in north america for a second
1: oh i see well you do the math for yourself (laughs) Um, isn't it weird how in the uk sport is sport and in america it's sports and (laughs) maths is maths here and it's math in america yeah
0: drop the s didn't need it graham you're not the first british person i've come across who's very upset about the dropped s yeah what do you say nina because you're an international person I think I've said math in the past, but
2: my English friends have drilled it out
0: of me. They've been very <laughs> upset about it. I'm still fighting strong. Twenty yeah. years on, still fighting,
1: the, fighting the real fight. <laughs> the real important one is aluminium, and whether you say that correctly,
0: aluminium, aluminium.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, now this data, this data which was feeding the bot, this data which was previously available for thirty thousand dollars reduced to ten dollars, that's now available for everyone. At the bargain price of zero. Anyone can now go and get it. Now, you would imagine that this is a PR disaster for Facebook, that everyone's talking about this, and that Facebook's corporate communications departments have leapt into action with a really strong message to reassure people. And what they've said is they've said, this is old data that was previously reported on in 2019. We found and fixed this issue in August 2019.
0: We just didn't tell anybody.
1: <laughs> well, the thing is this, right? They might have fixed the vulnerability to stop any more data leaking out. But that doesn't mean the data is old. It might have been grabbed to, you know, maybe a year and a half ago. But I personally haven't changed my name since 2019. I haven't changed my email address, my sex, my phone number. they call it old data. It still works. Right? Yeah.
0: You could get a facelift clue. You know, you're getting on. You okay. could, you know. <laughs> Maybe. I'm, not, I'm just, it's just, you know, no judgment, man. No judgment.
1: So I'm, I'm rather unimpressed with that as a response. It feels to me like they just said, oh, no, nothing new here. I'm shocked at the response. So there was no sorry in that, right? Oh, no, there was no sorry. And, and, and they, they don't appear to have reached out to any of the affected users at this point. Facebook, it seems to me, is trying to argue that this isn't really a data breach. It's just what you signed up for when you created a Facebook account. Was it reported
2: in 2019? Because I hadn't even heard this story.
1: So I've been searching around trying to find Hmm. evidence of this. And I'm Mm. not sure. Maybe they talked about fixing a vulnerability. But I don't remember. I mean, there have been instances before. Facebook did round about 2019. I remember they left probably not as many as half a billion records. But they left tens of millions of records on an unsecured Amazon web bucket which then fell into So, so they at the
0: time we're feeling super lucky. Right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so oh. so I, I think, you know, you can't really call this old data. It, it may have been grabbed two years ago, but the data's now accessible to many more people who could exploit it. And so what's the danger of this, right, is not only that they know your sex and your vague location and, you know, all, all, all that kind of information, but your phone number. And if they know your phone number, they could potentially hijack your phone number. You know we talk a lot about these sort of sim jacking things sim swap yeah, yeah sim swaps where where if you're using s m s as a form of two factor authentication which generally we 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 say, look, don't use that for two factor authentication, use something else instead. but if you were using that, if the bad guys were able to hijack your phone number effectively, which we we know from the past does work um. Then they could break into maybe not just your Facebook account, but other accounts as well. Now they know the phone number associated with you, which isn't good. Yeah. Well, guess whose number was in the data leak, along with half a billion other people?
0: Uh, I think I read this. Wasn't it Marky Mark himself?
1: Mark Zuckerberg. Wow. His phone number is in there. Yeah. Which means that anyone who grabs this data could, I suppose, give Mark a call. Um mm. And one of should we do
0: it right now? Should we do it right now?
1: Come on. So all those people <laughs> Should we invite him on the Why show? Not? No, we no, bring just, them up? Yeah. Just put your phone on speaker and call it. See what happens. You know, I I have so many people who email me saying, "Oh, I can't get into my Facebook account." They're basically trying to break into some You have a account. hotline
0: to the Zucks now.
1: Yeah, exactly. People trying to break into Facebook accounts. I could say to them, "Look, call this guy. He knows how to do it. He can help you." Now, one of the <laughs> one of the discoveries Once his phone number became public, people began to look for it in other services. And what they found was that Mark Zuckerberg has a Signal account. He uses the end-to-end encrypted messaging Mm. service Signal, which, of course, is very privacy Not the one on WhatsApp? Well, maybe he uses WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger as well. But it's interesting that he also created an account on Signal. Yes, maybe his
0: CISO made him, you know. (laughs) yeah.
1: But you know what? Now people know his phone number. They could, I suppose, create bogus accounts, you know, with his oh, name give and me details. A break. He's
0: going to change his number.
1: Well, probably, I suppose. So until the next breach, and then I have to change it again.
0: But he's going to go through that horrible feeling, though. If I had to change my number, of course you would, but it'd be annoying. It's like losing your wallet, right? Mm.
1: Mm. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. Horrendous. Yeah. Well, there you go. Poor you, Mark. <laughs> because of the scale of the problem, in public interest, <laughs> Troy Hunt of Have I Been mm. Pwned? has made a change to his service, so you can now search for your phone number rather than your email address to see if it might have been breached, which seems like a good idea to me. But By the way, the interesting thing about Signal, I think, is um – I generally like Signal. I use Signal. You use Signal, don't you, Carol? It's quite a good encrypted messaging service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took you a while to use it, actually. It took you a while to use it. I've been using it for a while. One of my reservations about it was that you have to associate Mm -hmm. your phone number with your account when you create an account, which I've never liked. And some other services don't require that. And here's an indication Mm -hmm. of why that's not such a good idea, because now everyone knows Zook is on Signal. So it's not good. But anyway, for the rest of us… This leak could allow bad guys to exploit the information. Social engineering, scams. So watch out for smishing. Watch out for spam calls, etc, etc. And if this is the thing which makes you want to quit Facebook, check out Smashing Security episode 75 from the... (laughs) No, you. seriously,
0: just get off Facebook. You guys can live. You can live without Facebook. Nina, are, can we? Can I ask, are you on Facebook? No. You're not, you see? And Bravo. she's great, guys. You see? There you no. are. All the
1: cool cats aren't on Facebook.
0: Isn't it mostly um,
2: the older demographic? I feel like, you know, it's like my mother-in-law. And <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Spreading yeah. disinformation.
1: I wouldn't know what to do if I was on TikTok, for instance. I wouldn't... I. <laughs> I can't do the dance moves for one thing. <laughs> Couldn't you play I, chess or something? I do, do they have chess? <laughs> to, to Lionel Richie?
0: <laughs> something like
1: that? Oh, I'd love
0: that. Slow, slow. You
1: know. Hello. <laughs> Nina, talk to us yes. all about deep fakes.
2: So I guess the obvious place to start is just what is it? And mm. essentially... Um, a deep fake is a piece of synthetic media, that's to say a piece of media that's been either manipulated by artificial intelligence or entirely generated by artificial intelligence. And it can come in the form of video, audio, or images. And the really amazing ability of AI to actually make fake media, in some cases from scratch, is really nascent and is due to kind of the revolution in deep learning over the past decade, which has to do with the masses of data availability and the ability of computers to kind of compute or churn through it all. And that's really only been possible for about five years. 2014 was kind of the Mm -hmm. first big breakthrough paper. Um, But since then, kind of, uh, since it started emerging on the bleeding edge of AI research, it's really hit the public imagination. Um, And one of the astonishing things about synthetic media is AI's ability to recreate humans. And this is manifesting in two ways. So scary. Uh, It is scary. Because until now, kind of all the best special effects or CGI computer graphics, the, they, there's this idea of something called um, uncanny valley. And that's yeah. the more you try to make something, you know, look or appear human and it's not, the more it kind of becomes unnatural until it evokes uh, almost a reaction of disgust in us. So that's why, you know, creepy robots are...
1: I got that when I watched the Polar Express movie. Do you remember that? It was a a CGI sort of Disney-ish sort of movie with Tom Hanks doing all the voices, this Christmas thing on a train. And it's had all these humans, but there was something a bit spooky about them all. They were trying to look like humans, but they weren't quite doing it. And the fact it was Tom Hanks as well made me slightly uncomfortable as well because I'm not a big (laughs) Tom Hanks fan. But yeah, it just felt weird because it was almost there, but not quite.
2: Exactly, um, and not to mention that you know he's a QAnon leader, right? Or
1: he's a he's
2: a, he's he's leading. Sorry, he's leading the Hollywood pedophile circle. Oh yeah, no, I find Tom Hanks creepy too. <laughs> you know this theory, right? These are
1: Nina Shick's <laughs> opinions, not necessarily the opinion of our podcast.
2: That that was obviously sarcastic. <laughs> For the record, I don't think Tom Hanks is leading a pedophile ring in Hollywood. Um, no, no. <laughs>
0: But anyway, so the- I know he's going to have a heart attack. This is not good. It's going to live on the air, live on the show. There he goes. Oh boy! One more, and we're in trouble. Right. <clears throat> so
2: th- this like if- <laughs> amazing ability of um, AI to bridge uncanny valley is manifesting in two ways. The first is the use of deep fakes or synthetic media to create entirely AI generated people who don't exist. And a good example of that is um, if you go to the website, this mm-hmm. every time you refresh the page, that's a GAN generated image of a human who doesn't exist. And they look so real that you or I wouldn't be able to tell yeah. that that's Not an authentic
0: image. You know, that's a synthetic image. Even in the time that I've known of that site, it has improved. Oh, has it? Like, exactly. Yep, yep. it really has. It's unbelievable.
2: That website is only images, right? So yeah. it's actually the easiest challenge when it comes to synthetic media, and that's already basically perfect. But as the technology accelerates, it's going to be the same with synthetic voices and also mm-hmm. um, synthetic film, right? So So videos. But the second way this amazing ability of AI to recreate humans is manifesting is in its ability to clone real humans, Mm -hmm. right? And hijack biometrics because all that you need to do in order to recreate someone synthetically is get the right training data. In this case, it might be images of that person, video of that person, or audio of that person's voice and train your algorithms on that training data in order to basically clone that person. And here's an example of how kind of scary, quick, this technology is advancing. At the time, deepfakes first came out at the end of 2017, in order to synthetically recreate someone's voice, it Mm -hmm. was really difficult. And I was working with an AI company at the time, and we were kind of running uh, experiments to see how easy or difficult it would be to synthetically recreate Donald Trump. (laughs) And we had to use hours and hours of his voice for training data to train our algorithms, you know, three or four months. And in the end we had something that sounded a bit like him. I mean, it was pretty impressive, you know, that Mm. this was all kind of AI generated, but it didn't sound perfectly like him, Hmm. but I can actually provide for your show notes. We kind of did a little article at the time with, I think it was CNBC where we did like a little quiz where it's like, can you guess which one's real Trump or fake Trump? All right. Um, And it it was pretty much, even at the time, it was almost 50-50, even though the voice then wasn't pitch perfect. Mm. Um, But now, in 2021, three years later, and um, there are already companies out there who say they need five seconds of somebody's voice in order to be able to recreate their voice perfectly
1: um, using AI. So, obviously, from a... Five seconds. Five seconds. That's astonishing, isn't it? Because of course he could yeah. have used that as a defense. Remember the whole Access Hollywood tape when he was on that bus and he exactly. Would, oh
0: yeah, no, we all forgot about that.
1: All the, all the locker talk, but but you know yeah. I, he, he could have said, "Look, this isn't me. This is this has been deliberately manufactured." And that's what that's the other problem, I suppose, with deep fakes is not just dodgy content, but also that things that really did happen can be kind of excused or explained away.
2: That's already happening. Yeah, and you're spot on to like. Notice that because I think most people are always like, oh my God, that's crazy. Anyone can create fake media of me. But the more profound Mm. effect, uh, because right now the technology isn't ubiquitous. And I should say that the other really potentially scary thing about deep fakes is that the AI is going to do the heavy lifting, right? So creating this kind of sophisticated fake content um, Uh before would have been only in the domain of an extremely well-resourced actor, like a Hollywood studio or a state actor, but AI is going to democratize it. So by the end of the decade, it will be accessible to anyone with no special skills, um, no big budgets, and on easy-to-use interfaces like um, software, smartphone apps, things like that. But before that happens the kind of malicious effects of deep fakes and synthetic media is already that it undermines trust in all authentic media and that's yes. a phenomenon called um the liar's dividend mm. and a- as for trump he already started saying that about the you know the, the grab them by the pussy tape in 2017 i mean in 2016 he said uh, okay, locker room talk. Yeah, he apologised churlishly. By 2017, he's already saying it's a fake.
0: Wow, um, yeah.
2: and I mean, astonishingly, I saw that even in the context of a piece of video that was so powerful, right? Because it was um, it was the George Floyd death video that mm. it united millions of people, not only in the United States, right? But around the world in protest because that was so mm-hmm. visceral, so powerful, so symbolic. Mm. Um, at the time, as I was watching that, I didn't watch the whole video because it was too brutal. But as I was watching this you know, anti-racism movement unfold, and uh, also picking up on how polarizing it was politically, I was thinking to myself, you know, it won't be long before the authenticity of that video is litigated. Mm -hmm. And it happened two weeks afterwards. And it didn't come from some kind of 4chan troll or anonymous person on the web. But a actual African American candidate who is standing for the House, she has a PhD. Her name is Dr. Winnie Hartstrong. And she basically released a 23-page paper arguing that the entire George
0: Floyd video is a deep fake hoax. Oh my God, disgusting. Oh my yeah.
2: God. And that, that George Floyd had died in 2016.
1: And that <gasps> at the hands of Tom Hanks.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that the guy in the video um is an ex NBA basketball player who looks a little bit like George Floyd, and that the, George Floyd's face had been swapped onto onto his, and that the police of, officer Derek Chauvin is this retired game show host, and she didn't what? like I saw it. Yeah, it's crazy. You should you should read the paper. The thing is, I saw it because I was obviously monitoring like this phenomenon known as a liar's dividend, and in twenty twenty, like okay. It didn't get that much currency, but she still launched a website. She went on numerous podcasts. You know, she was really outspoken on social media about her theories. Um, But in 2024 or in 2028 or in 2030, where there is no more trust in the information ecosystem, people will the information ecosystem will be inundated with synthetic media. and Nobody will know, you know, we won't be able to tell what's authentic, what's synthetic. You can see how even a video like that, which is still widely accepted as something that happened today, will
0: just become a matter of opinion. Yeah. And like, think of the history channels in 20 years, 30 year time. Like they're going to be able to, you know, just fake everything. Yeah. I saw a website, um, I don't even know where I was, some were in my feeds, but it was like, oh, see people, like you basically upload a picture of someone that has died is the concept, right? Like say your grandmother, and then they'll make it, make that picture move in a way that she'll- It's a deep nostalgia. Deep nostalgia. There you go.
2: And that's actually had like a lot of good press because Mm -hmm. um, people have been like, wow, it's like bringing a loved one back to life. Exactly. There's a really profound philosophical debate to be had here because, as I said, th- this unique ability of AI to recreate someone's biometrics um, is relevant even to those who are dead. Right? You literally have this ability to resurrect the dead. So there's some um, amazing kind of deep fake content out there on YouTube right now. There is a project which is about resurrecting James Dean. You know, the, the dead actor in yeah. in a film synthetically. So you'd make an entire new movie with, you know, this is like yeah. something being bashed out
0: with um, James Dean's estate. This, didn't this start off with ABBA, Graham? ABBA? <laughs> didn't didn't ABBA do a tour recently and it was like kind of mini-AI where they were like kind of...
1: Holograms like, of how they looked in the 70s. Uh, yeah.
0: You see how far we've come? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and didn't Kanye West resurrect Kim Kardashian's dad or something? He did. It was to a say hologram. What, say what an amazing guy Kanye West was. <laughs> which is to say on stage. just oh my god it's so nina whenever i hear about deep fake technology and all this synthetic media and things i can't help but feel that we're going to hell in a hay cart and it feels like the end of civilization as we know it am i right to think that are we all completely and utterly doomed or is there any chance we're going to survive this because I feel quite no, negatively about it all. Uh, uh,
2: n- no, we're not going to hell in a handcart. Um I mean, I felt pretty negatively about it when I first learned about it because I was coming at it from a disinformation angle mm. and the first use case of deep fake technology widespread malicious use case is in non-consensual pornography. I mean, it's really similar to the origins of the internet, right? When people mm. are like, oh, right. oh this, this thing will never take off. Like, this is just for weirdos who want to, <laughs> like, share porn. Um, and, you know, look at us 30 years later um, where, you know, the internet is
1: synonymous. And, with uh, was, it was it ABBA? Was it Benny and Bjorn who were in this these porn <laughs> videos? Or what was what, <laughs>
2: No, no. It was it was disturbing. It was actually like Maisie Williams and um oh, you know these goodness. these these actresses who had been introduced to us as children. Um but since then there's been an entire deepfake porn ecosystem that's flourished online. It's a uniquely gendered phenomenon. There is no kind of deepfake porn of men, but every single female celebrity or K-pop star Uh, Ivanka Trump, and Coulter, you name it, you can find the fake porn of almost every woman in the public eye. But alarmingly, it's not just famous women who are
0: targeted. It's increasingly normal women as well. I I feel so incensed, though, that there is no way that you can fight back, right? So if someone uses Mm -hmm. your image, and someone uses your voice, and someone makes you do something that you're completely not comfortable with or didn't agree to, there's absolutely fuck all you can do. That's fuck all you can do.
2: And right now, if you are the victim of um, fake porn, and mm. there were early instances where they basically put women's faces into authentic porn videos, right? So if you wanted to have that content taken down, it was better to try and get a copyright claim from the production company that made the actual porn film. Oh my God. But you know what? I've been talking a lot with people in the security industry Mm. and, you know, there has to be some kind of products and services developed for individuals because what could be more damaging than having your identity hijacked in this way? So going back to Graham's question, though, there are obviously devastating downsides, Mm. and this technology is going to be weaponized, not only against women. I actually find the the porn case study as a harbinger of what's to come, right? Because this principle that you can clone anyone and hijack anyone's biometrics is obviously going to be used in fraud, right? Obviously going to be used for spear phishing. Obviously, and we're starting to see the first instances of that. There was like a case in 2019 where the CEO um, of a British energy company was conned out of a quarter of a million dollars because he thought he was speaking to the CEO of his parent company, but it was actually fraudsters using AI-assisted voice technology. But more than that, it is actually a paradigm change in the way that We communicate and actually the way that we perceive the world, because it's going to transform entire industries like fashion, entertainment, sport. It's not only going to be used for bad, um, but it's also being used for real good. There are companies out there that are using synthesized voice to help people who've lost their ability to speak through stroke or Parkinson's or any number of diseases, you know, to resurrect their voice, give them a voice back. So again, it's far too basic to say, oh, this is all bad, you know, of Mm -hmm. course, the technology is going to be weaponized by malicious actors. However, to me, it's just another case study of kind of the profound technology led exponential changes that are happening to our society. I mean, arguably, we're going to see more change in our lifetime than the entirety of humanity that came before us. did. Yeah,
0: fuck you industrial (laughs) age. You thought you had it in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> exactly so then it's yeah. about how do we how do we build a society that is fit for purpose because a lot of our kind of institutions for example our legal system you can't deal with the challenge of deep fake porn with the existing legal system what do you do how do you reconstruct
0: society so it's fit for purpose that's really the big question mm-hmm. yeah and i'm guessing you don't have an answer yet <laughs> because that's a big one <laughs> <laughs> oh, not just yet. Yeah. I'm just diagnosing the problem. <laughs> well, Graham, any answers? Um, you like to think you're quite smart. Maybe
1: on next week's episode. Oh, okay, excellent. Oh, <laughs> Carol, what have you got for us?
0: Okay, we're going to lighten the tone a little bit. April Fools, you guys, fans. You know,
1: a few years ago, yes. I liked. An April Fool. <laughs> I used to quite enjoy it, and I think something has changed in the world in the last five years or so. And I'm finding it, you got old. I got old. I'm getting a little bit tired of it corporate April Fools in particular. It's just a little bit like, oh, really, you know, isn't the world? <laughs> you ma- are outrageous. What?
0: You used to do corporate yes, April Fools I, all it was the fun time when
1: I did them. But when I decided that their time had gone, then it was right time for everyone else to stop doing them as well.
2: <laughs> what about you, Nina? <laughs> I I think my only interaction with April Fool's like nobody I know seems to do it. They all forget it. it. It's just my one friend, and she always does something really lame.
0: <laughs> if you want an April Fools' buddy, I'll be it because I love
1: a good. I April have Fool's. been the victim of some of Carol's April Fools on many occasions, and
2: her April Fools are really mean. So,
1: yep. oh, yep, like Carol.
2: <laughs> so the year. I just had my daughter, you know, I just literally gone through this amazing experience of motherhood and Mm -hmm. giving birth and felt very, like, empowered and, you know, willing, wanting to talk to all other women who are going through the same experience about how great it could be. And so she texts me and she's like, I'm pregnant. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) let I'm so happy for you. Let's talk. I have so much to tell you. About call. I'm calling her. And You're crying like, with joy, <laughs> hormones. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And she just like screened my calls and then was like,
0: <laughs> Sorry, I'm busy, April's fools.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. So don't, don't do you feel too. lucky, Graham? Like that never happened
1: to you. No. Um <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah
2: don't do that to a hormonal new mother it's just mean (laughs) but you know
0: even as a professional graham when we were in the corporate space we both used to you know enjoy doing some Mm. april fools like we convinced you know we convinced the people that wear the blue brooks brothers shirts and the sports slacks (laughs) to let us put out some outrageous april fools which you know maybe today would be considered irresponsible, but at the time (laughs) in the olden days they were quite fun Mm. And I agree. I think now it would be a bit remiss to do it. I don't think I would be doing it if I was, in, you know, ahead of a corporate entity, you know. And it's actually the second year that Google doesn't do April
1: Fool's. Oh, really? They did a load of them. Ah, they've stopped, have they? They're the
0: old pranksters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're the old pranksters. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> They're the big boys now. <laughs> yeah, they had, like, in 2013, they introduced a smell feature on their browser. That's what they announced about April Fool's. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and in 2018, they hid Waldo in various Google Maps for kids to find.
1: So I thought, oh, that cool. oh that's nice. Though. That's, that's nice. nice. That's nice. Yeah. That's not tricking anyone. It's just a bit of fun. Yeah.
0: Evil. Yeah. So I have found, however, that a number of corporations mm-hmm. decided to go ahead mm. and do same April Fools. And I thought we'd go through them and you guys could say okay, success right. or fail. Mm. So Sky Mobile. Okay. They announced this year that they were launching a new SIM tariff for pet owners so they could continue to share more pictures of their pets online. And they claimed that there was free data allowance for a whole
1: year. Well, that sounds like a wonderful idea. So... Yeah. Well, ha, ha,
0: ha. No, there isn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, that sounds like a really shitty thing to say, doesn't it? Fail. <laughs>
0: That's not an April Fool. That's just lying. It's just being mean. Yeah, it's it's saying we have something, and yeah,
1: yeah, and then taking it away.
0: I agree. It's like the pet version of my mother's story. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I had a cat. He was like my baby. I would die if yeah. (laughs) I would have totally been (laughs) out of that. Um, Okay, number two, Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. The automaker briefly posted, then removed a press release on its website announcing it was changing its name to Volkswagen in an effort to promote electric vehicle
1: purchases. Oh, <laughs> that sounds a good idea. They should do that, shouldn't
0: they? Yes, right. Um, the, the, the whole idea was a public declaration of the company's future forward investment in e-mobility. And Now, this was on April Fool's, this went out. And you're thinking, okay, so it was a joke. It was a joke. It's not.
1: It's well. You say it's. You say it's a joke. It's not a funny joke. No, is it's it? not a funny joke. It's just. It?
2: But Graham, it's 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 a pun. You know, as an Englishman, I German, I like, thought every Englishman loved a pun.
1: <laughs> they are German, Graham. They are German. Maybe in Germany it's funny, but...
0: I'm, I'm half German. They're not funny. <laughs> right. They're not funny, really. They're not funny. I've no. watched a lot of German TV when I was there. Yeah, it's not funny. It's not funny. Um, now, the car industry influencers, right, uh, say mm. this is super mm. not funny. Tom Morton, chief strategy officer at New York advertising firm, said... This is mainly being done by fast food brands, where the stakes are lower and they need a bit of hoopla. Okay, you shouldn't be joking about electric
1: car branding. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't sound like he's very much fun either. I I think it's that's even worse than the pun. I I think think, his response. Yeah, Yeah. I think it's funny now.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Based on his response, now it's
0: interesting. (laughs) It's interesting. So, so yeah, Volkswagen, Volkswagen. Yawn. Right? Not really. You wouldn't write about that in your top ten. No. You know, top yeah, April Fools, really. Whatever. No, no. Not that great. Next, right? Next, next. Just try yeah, harder. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting that it brought up fast foods because Deliveroo mm. also got a spotlight. Um mm. so Deliveroo in France sent thousands of customers an email confirming an order, hilarious, get this. Thirty-eight anchovy pizzas. Okay, worth four hundred quid or about five hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this was sent to their inboxes for them to kind of receive and go, Oh, zut alors, c'est drôle, Poisson d'Avril. Yeah.
1: Oh, it was a Poisson d'Avril. Poisson d'Avril,
0: exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to say oh. with an English accent because it's funnier. Poisson d'Avril. <laughs> now, according to the BBC, these fake invoices included the customer's first name, not the full name, but first name. So I think that would have gone, hmm. Right. And preceded by the words, excellent choice. And uh, Deliveroo added that as uh, a loyalty reward, 50 sachets of hot sauce were going to be thrown in for free. So did
1: it say, psst? This was actually an April Fool, or did it make people? No, 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 Monsieur, no, 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 <laughs> and that is why the uh, delivery
0: customer base in France saw rouge. Okay, um, mm-hmm. one one be almost had a stroke be- on the BBC after receiving this fake order.
1: I would if I thought I had an anchovy pizza coming my way. What a terrible, <laughs> f- what a terrible thing to I happen! I have something
0: that's going to give you a stroke later. My last one is just for you, so you have to be careful. You are going to be <laughs> right. sit down and have a drink of water ready.
1: Loosen your tie. So this, this looked just like a regular confirmation. So if you had ordered pizzas from Deliveroo. Yeah. Th- this email looked just like, so people would There's think. There's so many problems
0: in this. Number one. Okay, I've got, I've got a little list here of things <laughs> that pissed me off about this. Number one, <laughs> many, many people in, in France, French people like me, yes. like anchovies. Okay. Anchovies and bread is a normal thing. There's a thing called pizza la diegue, which is like a kind of French tart with loads of anchovies on it. It's delicious. Okay. So it's like me sending you got 48, you know, I don't know, pepperoni pizzas to you. You'd be like, Oh, maybe I did order that last night. You know, it's <laughs> one of those things. And also an invoice is not funny. What is an invoice funny? Like when? <laughs> Ever. Like Ever. if someone sent me an invoice for thirty-eight hot pink toupees, I would be like, "Oh, oh shit! Uh, what? What happened? Husband? Husband? <laughs> right?" <laughs> but you know, Deliveroo did face the music and apologize publicly. Which And it called it a failed April Fool joke, which I think is fair. You know, everyone's allowed to fail because the spirit of it was good. I saw...
1: Malheureusement, they said. So their marketing department thought that would be a good idea. That's that's what amazes me is how this goes through the process, the chain of command. Oh,
0: get over yourself. You have worked with marketing departments. You have worked with many departments Something very, very weird decisions. Come on.
1: But something like that would have to be approved by the head of... French Deliveroo marketing or something? Why why didn't they do say involving kangaroos? Something more absurd. Seeing as it's Deliveroo, wouldn't that have been more amusing? Or is that just my <laughs> sense of humor? Yeah,
0: that is definitely just your <laughs> sense of humor.
1: Okay. See again,
0: right. jeu de mots, like you said, Nina. See Deliveroo kangaroo. That's what he likes about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Graham. This is the one to give you a heart attack. So don't don't you know don't okay, start breathing crazy yet. Okay. So, right, tweeting okay. to his almost right. 8 million followers, Pierce Morgan Ugh. announced that ITV had offered him a return to Good Morning Britain after his exit from the show last month, having heavily criticised remarks by Meghan Markle.
1: Yeah. He, he's just desperate for attention, isn't he? So, he said that as, a, as an April 4th, Has he not started his own YouTube channel yet? I think he's waiting for GMB or whatever. What are they called? GBTV. Oh, right. Andrew Neil's right. Bunch. Are going to scoop him up? I suspect. Um, so what he, he and everyone? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Did anyone laugh at that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> y- you follow him on Twitter. You tell me. I don't do that stuff. No,
1: I do not. No, I've actually he's blocked me. <laughs>
0: has he? So, has he really? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Were you trolling? <laughs> what? Well, what I, did you do?
1: <laughs> I was once contacted by uh, <laughs> publicly via Twitter by one of the researchers on the on Good Morning Britain asking if I could come on the sofa to talk about something. And I said, every time I think of Piers Morgan, I throw up a little bit in my mouth, I said. And so that got, I did tag him on that reply and that got me That's a bit of a dick move, actually. Blocked.
2: Wow. No. I mean, he, well, must, I just, he must get so much, you know, <laughs> stuff like that every day. So it's amazing that he just, like, blocks everyone
0: who might.
1: I suspect he's blocked quite a few people. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. He's not my cup of no, tea. No, he's a bit of a an numpty.
0: Anyway, there you go. Um, you know, uh, April Fool's. Maybe not a good idea until people get back on their feet, especially trying to charge them cash and uh, 500 quid when people are trying to scrape their money together for monthly outgoings. So, uh, you know, tap on wrist for that. Not well thought out. But, you know, I I do think that I don't want the April Fool joke to go away. I think there should be one day. There's sh- Like, you know...
1: Maybe they're okay to do in your own home, Corolla. Maybe they're all right to do in your family, but they shouldn't be done yes, by corporations. I corporation. think they should
0: be done by corporations. I think it can show the true spirit of humanity that the people that power corporations and they should be accountable for their thing. But, you know, they should put their brains together and come up with something good. You know, after all mm-hmm. they're being paid. Jeez, mine, I could come off like five better ones than this off the top of my head. <laughs> and chivies, honestly.
1: Using a password manager like 1Password can help increase productivity and save you money. How does it do that? Well, a password generator tool creates strong unique passwords that are saved and filled in automatically. Features like Watchtower alert you to any issues with your employees' accounts, giving you oversight and more security control, and you can get notified immediately when a breach occurs with domain breach reports. Find out more, check out OnePassword for yourself at onepassword.com. And thanks to OnePassword for supporting the show.
0: Protect your workforce with simple, powerful access security from Duo, powered by Cisco. The rapid expansion of remote working has presented challenges for all of us. At Duo Security, it's their mission to make application access more secure for organizations of all sizes. It's modern access security is designed to safeguard all users, devices, and applications, so you can stay focused on what you do best. So, want to proactively reduce the risk of a data breach, verify users' identities, gain visibility into every device, and enforce policies to secure access to every single application? Thought you would. Why not give your organization the peace of mind that only complete device visibility can bring? Visit duo.com to sign up for a 30-day trial. That's duo.com. I mean, how easy is that to remember?
1: And welcome back. Can you join us at our favourite part of the show? The part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week.
2: Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week.
1: Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website or an app. Whatever they wish doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Mm, better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week this week is not security related. My Pick of the Week this week is all to do with video game consoles and specifically old video game consoles. And there is a wonderful section of the BBC archives. I do love the BBC archives and trawling through it, which details the eight generations of video game consoles with lots of retro TV clips from yesteryear. Going back as far as Pong, if you remember Pong in 1972. Oh, my goodness, apparently is when that came out. The Grandstand, uh, which is called something else in America. I can't remember what. The Atari 2600, yep. and then onto the Nintendo, Sony's, Microsoft's, and et cetera, et cetera. Some feature friend of the show, Rory Keflin Jones.
0: Uh, did they talk about ColecoVision? That's what I had. I had a ColecoVision.
1: Well, that, that may be there as well, mm-hmm. Carol. It may well be there. I, I didn't have, I didn't really have a video games console when I was young. I just had a little home computer. A
0: shoelace to play with yeah
1: a <laughs> couple of twigs <laughs> that's how we made our entertainment in my day but yes i was always jealous of people and you
0: know did. what were you gonna say As good as i have no idea what you guys are talking have you never have you never had a gaming console you've never been a gamer online gamer no no i had a game boy did you love it super mario
2: yeah i love super mario that was it one game boy one game yeah that was the that was the limit of my experience
0: did you ever play three hours in one shot oh yeah for sure. okay
1: all right you're in the team you're
0: in the team you're in the team
1: (laughs) 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 anyway i will put a link in the show notes where you can watch these little videos and read some more about the eight generations of video game consoles uh so enjoy it and that's my pick of the week Nice one. Nina, what's your pick of the week?
2: My pick of the week keeping with my light theme is uh, <laughs> very upbeat and optimistic. No, it's um it's on BBC iPlayer now. It's actually Ridley Scott's kind of uh, directed. It is a documentary series called The Terror and um it's about the real life story, one of the greatest mysteries of naval exploration. It was the 1845 attempt to sail the Northwest Passage. So from... from oh! Yeah. So these two boats set off from England to try and sail from the... um from the Atlantic to the Pacific, and Uh the two ships, Erebus and the Terror, off they set the best kind of like ships of their time. And these these two ships, um, unfortunately, got stranded in the Arctic ice and they had three years of provisions and they were sure that, you know, they'd be rescued. But, you know, after I think it was two years, they decided that no one was coming for them. So they decided they had to kind of trek out of there and try to make it into Northern Canada. And it is just the craziest story because no one really knew what happened. They eventually, the ships just yeah. disappeared many years later. They kind of came across the bones of some of the survivors and it turned out that, you know, they had turned to cannibalism in the bitter end. So, Oh, I was hoping it would have been poutine. <laughs> <laughs> no. So it is, it is, it is a crazy real life story, but the drama, the way that it's done, um, it is fantastic.
0: Yeah, cuz you're a history buff, aren't you? Totally, yeah. totally history buff. I'm going to take that recommendation. I'll, I'll
1: Oh, that sounds fantastic. That's totally up your you. You binge street, watch it. I yeah. It's very,
0: very good. Cool. Yeah. Good one. Thank you Nina. That's oh, excellent.
1: It's much better than much better than my pick of the week, <laughs> to be honest. Sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Crow, what's your pick of the week? Mine is also a kind of documentary
0: on Netflix. It is a seven-part Series called "Pretend It's a City," and it's directed by Martin Scorsese, and it features uh, just one person conversation interviews with Fran Lebowitz. Now, you may not know who she is, right? But uh, she moved to like New York in the seventies, and then really soon started hobnobbing with all the arty crowd. It, like, really made it like so. Andy Warhol and Martin Scorsese became friends, and. Like, you know, they have their friends still. She's in her 70s now. Hmm. And uh, she says of him, uh, the kind of connection we have is really rare as true love and romance. It's not the same, but there's something chemical about it. It's something just happened. It's There's not really an
1: explanation for it. It's like you and me, crow.
0: It is a little bit. It's a little bit. Yeah. It's not the same. It's yeah. not the same.
1: <laughs> I'm Scorsese because I've got the eyebrows and, you you know, you're the... I kind of, I'm kind of in love with this woman. I do, I do really
0: hope... When right. I hope to be like her actually. I've now got a new right, I've okay. got a new goal. Um, so it's really, really brilliantly done because Corsese is always behind the camera. You hardly see him. You see his shoulder, right? You hear an encouraging laugh, you hear him like nod her on. <laughs> But it's all about Fran and she's like this kind of wit raconteur person and she's hilarious. She's kind of, she hate me, you know, people are going to hate me for saying this, but she's kind of like Diane Keaton and Woody Allen rolled into one with a sprinkle of, Mm. you know, I don't know what. And she has like this great hyperbole that comes out in her outrage, like, you know, like about New York, like the lawn chairs that were put in New York. cost $70 million. I mean, $70 million. (laughs) So she has a lot of that. Anyway, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um... She I I thought why haven't I never heard of her but she hates the internet like hates the internet doesn't go near it and she's never written a book. She's just this kind of local star in a small the New York pool. Anyway, go check it out. It's on Netflix. It's called pretend it's a city with Fran Lebowitz and Martin Scorsese and Mm. I think it's fascinating. Good.
1: Sounds good.
0: I, I think you will like it, both of you. Based, uh, Nina, just based on this conversation, I think you'd like it. She's kind of cool.
1: I I would like,
0: <laughs> and she's cool. Mm. She wears always these this huge, almost military-like coat and these uh, and these like oversized jeans that are rolled up like one big roll and cowboy boots. I she mean, she's been awesome. doing that for like thirty, forty years. I kind of feel like she's trapped in her look, but
1: <laughs> but there you go. I'd, I'd quite like to be rolled into Diane Keaton. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> there you are. You can leave Woody Allen out of it. Anyway, um, on that note, that just about wraps it up for this week. Nina, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online and find out what you're talking about and learn more about you. Um, what's the best way for folks to do that?
2: You can follow me on Twitter, Nina D Schick, or my website, org.
1: Brilliant. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity, no G. Twitter won't allow us to have a G. And we're also up on Reddit to look for the Smash Insecurity subreddit up there. And to ensure you never miss another episode, follow Smash Insecurity in your favourite podcast app, such as Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts.
0: Huge, huge thank you to this episode's sponsors, Duo Security and 1Password, and to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to all of them that this show is free for all. And for episode show notes, sponsorship information, guest lists, and the entire back catalogue of more than 221 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com.
1: Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Was great. How was it, Ina? Was it okay? Baptism of Fire?
2: It was so fun. I loved it. Oh, you,
0: you guys are great.
2: You have like a oh. awesome um, dynamic. It's really, really fun being on.
0: It's because we hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>